book of Genesis and chapter 35 this morning and we'll begin reading from verse 1. So then God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and there make an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak, and the name of it was called Alon Bak Chuth. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Pandanaram and blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty, Fear, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave <coughs> Abraham and Isaac to thee, I will give it. And to thy seed after thee will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him, Bethel. Let's uh, commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do uh, thank you, Lord, that we are able to gather around your word this morning. Lord, I pray that we would each come with hearts uh, ready to receive your word, and that, Lord, you would teach us, you would instruct us this morning as only you can. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would empower me now through the Spirit, you give me wisdom and guidance as I speak, that, Lord, it would indeed be your words this morning, your thoughts, and that, Lord, you would give us understanding of this passage, and that, Lord, you would refresh us and challenge us and bless us by your word this morning, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuse me. Now, of course, as we saw last Sunday, uh, Jacob and his family have been dwelling near the city of Shechem, and they've been dwelling there for several years now. It's been their home, and it's also been, of course, the place of worship. It's been the place where they have worshipped the Lord. The very first thing that um, Jacob had done when he purchased that, that parcel of land there near the city of Shechem was to build an altar unto the Lord, and he called that altar there, God, the God of Israel. And for years they'd been serving God, they had been worshipping God here in this place. They had, as we saw last Sunday, sought to maintain a testimony before the heathen nations around them, particularly before the, the people of Shechem. But the wicked actions of Simeon and Levi in particular had completely destroyed their reputation. As we saw last Sunday, Simeon and Levi had massacred the city of Shechem. They had brutally murdered them. 
And so they destroyed their reputation, destroyed their testimony in the region by their actions. In chapter 34, verse 30, Jacob declared that they had made them distinct among the heathen. Just go there. Chapter 34, verse 30, it says, And Jacob said unto Simeon and Levi, Ye have troubled me to make me distinct among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And I, and I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house." Excuse me. And so in chapter 34, verse 30 there, we see um, that Jacob, he says, you've made me distinct. He understood the, the consequence of their actions. Their testimony had been destroyed by Simeon and Levi. And so Jacob now, at the end of chapter 34, and as we come to chapter 35, Jacob is in some desperate need of direction from the Lord. Now, although God's word doesn't mention it, we can be sure that after this event, between chapter 34 and 35, that Jacob has spent much time on his knees. We can be sure that he's gone to the Lord after this terrible event and he has sought the Lord in prayer. He's pleaded with God for forgiveness on behalf of his sons, on behalf of his family for what they've done. He's pleaded with God for direction, for, for wisdom. And he's asked the Lord, where do I go now? What do I do now? How do I deal with this situation? Jacob was in desperate need of the Lord. He was in great distress. And you know, not knowing what step to take, not knowing what direction now to take. And it's wonderful therefore to read, isn't it, that chapter 35 begins with the words, And God said unto Jacob, isn't that wonderful to see that after this such a distressing time in his life, in his family's life, as Jacob has no idea where to turn, what to do, the Lord now comes and speaks to his servant. Just when he needed the Lord most, the Lord does not abandon Jacob. The Lord does not abandon his family. The Lord does not forsake him. But instead, the Lord graciously speaks unto his servant and the Lord gives him here some clear Direction, some clear instructions. And so notice firstly here the direction of the Lord, the direction of the Lord. Look in verse 1. <clears throat> it says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Now, as we mentioned, Jacob at this point in time, he is in desperate need of some direction. And the Lord doesn't disappoint. The Lord in his grace appears unto Jacob and the Lord speaks to his servant and he gives him some clear direction, clear instructions as, as to what exactly he should now do, where exactly he should go with his family. In verse 1 we see the Lord tells him, Jacob, he says, Arise, go to Bethel and dwell there. Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. The Lord tells Jacob, he says, Jacob, it's time to leave this place. It's time to leave this place that you've called home for so many years. It's time to leave this place where you've worshipped me. It's time to leave all that behind and it's time to move your family to Bethel. Now it's interesting, the name Bethel means the house of God. And so what we see here is that the Lord's answer to Jacob in this hour of need 
the Lord's answer to Jacob is, Jacob, you need to take your family to the house of God. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? He says, Jacob, you need to take your family to the house of God. You need to draw nigh unto me. Now, Bethel, of course, was a place of special significance for Jacob. It was there that years earlier, around about 30 years earlier, that Jacob had first met with the Lord as he was departing from the land of Canaan. And on that night, as he lay down to sleep, he, he had seen a vision. And he saw angels descending and ascending upon a ladder that reached up into heaven. And the Lord, of course, was standing at the top of that ladder and spoke unto him, confirming the covenant promises. Let's just go back to chapter 28. <clears throat> we'll stay there for a little bit. Chapter 28. And let's just read from verse 12. It says, And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee. And will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again to this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And so here we see this, this vision. He sees the angels ascending and descending upon this ladder. And we talked about the fact that this showed him that God was actually interested in what takes place on earth. God was interested in his life. And when Jacob woke up, Jacob woke up after hearing God's voice and hearing the, the covenant promises. He was filled with fear. He was filled with fear, godly fear. He recognized that he had been in the presence of God. And he acknowledged this by calling the place Bethel. Just there in chapter 28, verse 16, it says, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had for his pillows and set it up for a pillow and poured oil upon the top of it. And so he recognizes that this was a, a, a special occurrence. He had seen the Lord. He had met with the Lord. And he calls this place Bethel. Verse 19 there in chapter 28, sorry, it says, and, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And so he calls it Bethel, the house of God. And so it's to this significant place, this place of special spiritual significance for Jacob, that God now instructs him to return to. But of course, he's not going back there alone, is he? He's now going with his whole family, and not just his family, but he's going with all those who are in his company. He's taking everybody up to the house of God to draw nigh unto God, to meet with God. And Bethel was actually not that far from Shechem. It was around about 50 kilometers to the south, so he's not that far away at all, really. Only about 50 kilometers to the south was Bethel, but it was located about 330 meters higher in elevation. And so when the Word of God says here, go up to Bethel, it's a literal thing. He had to go up to Bethel. He had to ascend up to Bethel from Shechem. And it was a journey that with all his family, 
his servants, his livestock, and all of his possessions. This is a journey that was going to not be easy. This is going to be a difficult journey to lead them all from Shechem up to Bethel, the house of God, to meet with the Lord. And the reason the Lord wanted him to go up to Bethel is clear, isn't it? Verse 1 there in chapter 35, it says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. <clears throat> the reason he was to go to Bethel, the reason he was to take his family and his whole company to Bethel was because the Lord wanted him to go there and worship him. The Lord tells him here to return to Bethel and to set up an altar. An altar there unto the Lord. And so by implication, he is to lead his family in sacrifice, lead his family in worship unto the Lord. He's to draw nigh unto God. And Jacob was to return to Bethel and he was to fulfill a vow that he had years earlier made unto the Lord. At the end of chapter 28, Jacob had vowed that he would give himself completely to God and that this place, Bethel, would be a place of worship. It would be God's house. Chapter 28, <clears throat> verse 20. It says, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I've set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So Jacob had vowed a vow at the end of that meeting. He'd vowed that he would give himself completely to God. He'd vowed that this place, Bethel, would be a place of worship. It would be the house of God. And it was time for Jacob to fulfill that, that vow. It was time for Jacob to return to Bethel. And fulfill his vow unto the Lord. You know, in a lot of ways, the timing could not have been better. It was God's perfect timing for him to return to Bethel. You know, after the wickedness of his sons, Jacob and his family, they needed a refreshing, didn't they? They needed a refreshing of their fellowship and of their worship of the Lord. They needed a renewal of that fellowship with the Lord. They needed spiritual revival, if you like. And you know, as the head of the home, it was Jacob's responsibility, wasn't it? To take the lead in these spiritual matters. It was his responsibility to lead his family in repentance after the sin, the wickedness that had entered in. It was his responsibility to lead them in repentance, turning from their sin, a change of mind about their sin, and lead them in a renewed worship of the Lord. You know what better place to do this than at Bethel? The house of God. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, Jacob in this time of great distress, he sought the Lord for direction. And God's direction was simple. Jacob, go up to the house of the Lord and worship me. Draw nigh unto me. I don't know about you, but as I read that and I understood that this week, I just thought that's a wonderful truth, isn't it? What a wonderful, wonderful little declaration God gives Jacob here. Jacob, go up to the house of the Lord, draw nigh unto me and worship me. You see, this was the best thing that he could do for his family at this point in time. The best thing he could do was lead them in a renewed worship and fellowship with the Lord. 
You know, beloved, there are times in our own lives when, because of circumstances, we feel distressed, don't we? We're distressed. There's times when we are discouraged and we need refreshing. We need renewal. You know, perhaps it's because of sin, because of our own sin and failure. Perhaps we've wandered away from the Lord. We've lost sight of His will. We've failed to do what He asked us to do. Perhaps like Jacob's family, we've lost our testimony. And in these times, we feel like failures, don't we? We feel like failures and we, we begin to wonder, how could God ever use us ever again? You know, and the devil loves to whisper in our ears, we're useless, God doesn't want you anymore. God's forsaken you. But you know, in those times of discouragement, those times when we are distressed because of sin, because of failure, in those times like Jacob, we need to turn to the Lord for direction. And invariably, his answer always begins with back to Bethel. That's always where his answer begins. The very first thing we need to do is draw nigh unto God. Go up to Bethel. Get back in sweet fellowship with him. Get back in his word. Get back in prayer. Get back in the place of worship with him. Go up to the house of the Lord with our hearts and our minds prepared for him to speak unto us. You know, nowhere else will we find that encouragement. Nowhere else will we find that refreshing, that renewal that we need, but in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. Indeed, with the people of God, worshipping Him, letting His Word speak to our hearts, letting His Word refresh us, encourage us and strengthen us. You know, sadly, so often what happens when we become discouraged and distressed because we failed the Lord, so often what happens is that our response is the complete opposite, isn't it? Instead of turning to the Lord, instead of drawing nigh unto God, so often we forsake the Lord, don't we? Instead of drawing nigh unto God and going up to the house of the Lord, we forsake the house of the Lord. We forsake the worship of God. We forsake the word of God. We forsake prayer. Rather than earnestly drawing nigh unto Him and seeking to be refreshed, seeking to be renewed, we make the mistake of turning further away from Him. Now, beloved, we must not make that mistake. Now, in those times when we are distressed and discouraged by sin, discouraged by failure, we need to turn to Him. His answer is always clear, draw nigh unto Him, go up to Bethel, just as God told Jacob here to do. We see, secondly now, the preparations the preparations to go up to Bethel. Look in verse 2. It says, Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments, and let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I'll make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all the earrings sorry, their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. <clears throat> we see secondly now the preparations to go up to Bethel. Now he's received very clear instruction from the Lord. Jacob knows what he needs to do. He needs to lead his family in this renewed fellowship with the Lord. And Jacob now sets about preparing his family for this, preparing his family 
to worship the Lord. You know, his family had sinned. Dinah had sinned, of course, as we, we saw at the start of chapter 34. She'd sinned. Uh, she'd been defiled by Shechem. She lost her honor. She lost her purity. His sons, Simeon and Levi, in particular, had sinned. They had committed gross mass murder. And so there was sin in the camp. There was sin in the family. Sin that needed to be dealt with. Before they could go up and worship the Lord, draw nigh unto Him, they first needed to deal with their sin. Before they could be refreshed, before they could be renewed, Jacob understood that some preparation was needed. And so we see that he issues here a call to his family in verse 2. It says, Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean and change your garments. Here in verse 2, we see that Jacob calls upon his family, and not just his family, but the whole company, everyone that's with them. He calls upon them now to do three things in preparation to go up to the house of the Lord and worship him. The first thing that they're told to do is to put away the strange gods that were among them. Verse 2, it says, Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you. And so the first thing he tells them to do is to put away all strange gods that were among them. Now evidently there was idols in the camp. There was idolatry. Perhaps Jacob had failed to fully deal with this until this point in time. You know, perhaps he had allowed it to enter in amongst the servants and amongst the members of the family. You know, we know for a fact that Rachel, she stole her father's idols when they fled from Haran. Go back to chapter 31 with me. <clears throat> chapter 31. And verse 19, it says, And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. So we saw in chapter 31, Rachel, she'd stolen the images of her father, the idols of her father. And when we looked at this passage, we saw that it was clear Rachel, she wanted to hold on to these past superstitions. And she wanted to add them to her worship of the one true God. She had a mixed faith. And so perhaps in the years since, she's not the only one who has a a mixed faith. She's not the only one who's trying to add idols to the worship of the Lord. And as I said, perhaps Jacob hasn't dealt with it properly until now. However, there is also the consideration that, you know, uh, Jacob has gone through a lot, hasn't he? Since he left Haran, he's, as he fled from Laban, as he met with Esau, he's gone through a lot. And what I mean by a lot, he's gone through a lot of spiritual experiences. There's been a lot of spiritual highs. He's, he's grown a lot. In particular, he wrestled with the Lord. And the Lord changed his name to Israel. My point is, I find it hard to believe that Jacob would have knowingly ignored idolatry in his family until now. It seems difficult to believe that after those spiritual highs that he experienced as he left Haran, all this spiritual growth and seeing God delivering from Laban and then delivering from Esau and wrestling with God and having this wonderful experience, it seems hard to believe that he would have then knowingly ignored idolatry for the 10 years or so in the, in the time since. And so it may instead be that this is a reference to the spoils and the captives that have been taken from the city of Shechem. 
Now the commentator Gill writes this, the words may be rendered the gods of the strangers, that is, of the Shechemites, who were heathens and aliens, strangers to the true God, and knowledge and worship of him. Another commentator, Benson, writes this, the Hebrew means not the strange gods that are among you, but the gods of the stranger that is among you. Alluding probably to the captive Shechemite women who now made a part of his household or to other Gentiles who had joined themselves to his family and who might secretly worship idols. And so it may be that this is actually a reference to the Shechemites, okay, and the fact that they've just recently brought all these, these women and children into the camp. And they've probably brought with them their idols. It's probably also part of the spoils they've taken from the city. And so Jacob here tells them to get rid of all the idols. That may be there was idolatry in his family too. I'm not saying that that's definitely not true, but there is the two possibilities here. But the point here is that Jacob is making sure that his company is completely free of idolatry before they move to Bethel. That's the point, isn't it? Before they make this move up to Bethel, he's making sure that all tri traces of idolatry are left behind. Any idols that were among the spoils taken from the city are to be discarded. Any idols that were amongst the servants or amongst the, the Shechemite women were to be discarded, removed. And by doing this, Jacob is removing all temptation. Removing all temptation for sin. He's making sure that his family and indeed the whole company have their eyes only upon the Lord as they head up to Bethel. He then secondly tells them in verse 2 to be clean. It says, Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean. And so the second thing he tells his whole company to do in preparation to go up and worship the Lord, to draw nigh unto him, is he tells them to cleanse themselves. Now in the Old Testament, cleansing, uh, ceremonial washing was a picture of purification. It was a picture of getting the heart right before God. It was a picture of dealing with sin, sanctifying yourself, ready to come and worship the Lord. And in the case of Jacob's family, they had blood on their hands, literally, didn't they? They had blood on their hands and they needed to cleanse their hands before they could go up and draw nigh unto God. In Isaiah chapter 1, we, we see this truth expressed. Just go over there, Isaiah Chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 15. It says, And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil. And Zara expresses this truth. You know, the Lord says, I will not hear you, wash your hands, they're full of blood. And that was true, physically true, of Jacob's sons. Their hands were stained with blood. How could they approach the Lord? How could they go up and worship the Lord, draw nigh to him at Bethel with blood on their hands? They first needed to wash and be clean, both in a physical sense, a literal sense, but in a spiritual sense as well. They needed to put away the evil. They needed to repent, have a change of mind about what they'd done. They needed to deal with their sin. 
And physical washing was a picture of this cleansing. One commentator wrote this, This no doubt Jacob had chiefly in view, namely that they should cleanse their hands from blood and from their late detestable cruelty and purify their hearts from those evil dispositions which had given birth to such abominable wickedness that they might be fit to approach God in his worship. That's the whole idea here. They were to cleanse themselves, wash their hands physically and spiritually, cleanse themselves so they might come and be fit to approach God in worship. And having washed themselves, he then also tells them they need to change their garments. Go to verse 2 again. Chapter 35, verse 2, it says, Then Jacob said unto his household, And to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. He tells them that thirdly, they need to change their garments. Put away the idols, get their focus only upon the Lord, wash themselves, cleanse themselves, and he says, and change your garments, or wash your garments. You know, Simeon and Levi in particular, they needed to change their garments. Their garments were stained with blood, blood blood-soaked. You know, how could they approach God in the same filthy garments that were stained with their sin? That's the point here, isn't it? You know, these same garments, the stain we sin, they need to put them off and put on some new garments to approach unto the Lord. They need to wash themselves. You know, but if they just washed themselves and then appeared in those same filthy garments, it wouldn't do, would it? They need to wash themselves and they needed clean garments as well. You see, like the cleansing, the washing of their bodies, the changing of garments was symbolic of a putting off of their old ways, a change of heart, a change of life. It was symbolic of purification, sanctification, getting their hearts right with God. Commentator Gill <coughs> writes that they were to change their garments, which might be stained with blood and therefore not fit to appear in, appear in before God. All were old and worn out or sorrowed apparel. Changing and washing of garments were also emblems of renewing of the mind cleansing of the soul, and a change of heart and life. You see, the point is that Jacob is careful here to prepare his family, to prepare his company to come before God without anything tainting them. To come with all worldly hindrances removed. To come with all temptations removed, so that they might focus only on the Lord. To come cleansed and clothed, ready to stand before God. To worship Him and to hear what the Lord would have to say unto them. And in verse 3, Jacob makes it clear to his family that this is the reason behind these actions. He says in verse 3, And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. In verse 3, Jacob makes it clear to his family, this is the reason they were to do these three things. Put away idols, cleanse themselves, change their garments. They were to do these things to prepare to go up and worship the Lord, to make this altar there at Bethel. And in verse 4, we see the response of the family and all the company. It says in verse 4, And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them, under the oak which was by Shechem. In verse 4 we see the response. The response of his family, the response of all in the company is obedience. They obey. 
They respond by giving to Jacob any idols that are found within the camp. And it says they also give him their earrings. Now these earrings here are not just normal uh, jewellery. These earrings were earrings that were connected with idol worship. <clears throat> they were charms worn in honour of the heathen gods. And the Shechemite women probably had these in their ears and, and others may have as well. That's the idea here. It's these, idol, these earrings that are connected to the idol worship. And so they remove these charms, they remove the idols, and they give them to Jacob. And we're told Jacob takes them and he buries them under an oak tree. It says there at the end of verse 4, And Jacob hid them under the oak, which was by Shechem. He probably smashed them up first, but he takes them and he buries them in the earth. In this way, Jacob gets rid of them completely. And it's the idea that he does it where no one else will find them. He goes and he hides them in the earth. You see, by doing this, they purged the camp, didn't they? They purged the camp, the company of all these tokens of idol worship, so that all focus now would be upon God and God alone. And the implication, of course, is that along with the idols being removed, the implication is they also followed the instructions to be clean and to change their garments. And so with these preparations made, they now go up to the house of the Lord, to Bethel, they draw nigh unto God to worship Him, to be renewed, to be refreshed in their service of the Lord. You know, we need to make these sane preparations daily. Now, there is a need for us daily to sanctify ourselves. There is a need for us daily to prepare our hearts so that we might be ready to come and be refreshed and renewed by the Word of God. So we might be ready to receive from God what He has for us to hear. There's a need for us to, to prepare our hearts as we come to the house of the Lord. To make these same preparations. To put away idols. Anything that has the place of God in our life. In 1 John 5 verse 21, John writes, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Idols are a problem for the believer. Now we cannot hope to come and be renewed and refreshed by the word, hear from the Lord, draw nigh unto Him, and at the same time have idols in our lives. Now of course an idol is anything that we allow to come before God, anything we allow to take priority before the Lord. And beloved, we need to remove those hindrances from our lives. We need to remove those temptations to sin. That's what they are. Remove them from our lives and instead set our hearts and our minds firmly upon the Lord. And with our heart then right, we can then come up to worship the Lord. Draw nigh unto Him. But we also need to come with clean hearts, don't we? We need to come with clean hearts. And of course, we've been wonderfully and gloriously saved. We've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. We've been saved by faith, we've been cleansed, we've been washed white as snow by the blood of the Lamb. But you know, daily we become filthy, don't we, with the grime of the world. Daily we become filthy with the grime of sin. And Christ gives us the perfect illustration of this uh, in John chapter 13. Let's just turn over there, John 13. John chapter 13, <clears throat> verse 5. We'll start in verse 4. It says, And he riseth from supper, 
laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin and then began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. Now Christ here uses this illustration of feet washing to teach the disciples an important truth, doesn't he? You know, we have had a bath. That's our salvation. We've had a bath. We've been cleansed. But we still daily need to wash our feet. Our feet become dirty with the grime of the world, with the grime of sin. We need daily sanctification. And of course we do this by coming and confessing our sins unto him, don't we? As 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We come, we confess our sins, and God promises to cleanse us, to restore us to wonderful fellowship with him. And beloved, these are things we need to be doing daily. Look in our lives and see if there's idols, remove those, those hindrances. Look in our lives and see if there's sin, and we need to cleanse ourselves, confess that sin, get our heart right with God, so that we might come and receive from the Lord what he has for us from his word. So we might come and be renewed, be refreshed by the Spirit, and little by little changed into his image by the Spirit within now, as we started this chapter this morning, we saw Jacob in a time of great distress. His family was tainted by sin. He didn't know where to turn, what the answer was, but God's solution was simple. Jacob, go up to Bethel. He was to take his family to the house of God. He was to lead his family in worship of God, draw nigh unto God, and be refreshed and renewed. But in order to do that, they first needed to get things right. They needed to cleanse their homes, cleanse themselves, so they might stand before God. And beloved, when we find ourselves like Jacob, in distress, discouraged by sin, the answer is always the same. Go up to Bethel. Draw nigh unto God. Put away the idols. Confess our sin. Put off those garments stained by sin. And with our hearts ready, Come before God, and God will refresh. God will renew us through his holy word. Let's close in the word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts, that Lord, you would help us to indeed draw nigh unto you each day. Lord, go up to Bethel. Spend time with you and your word. Spend time in sweet fellowship, in sweet prayer. But Lord, help us to realize there are things we need to do. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to deal with idols in our lives. We need to deal with sin in our lives. Lord, confess that sin. Be cleansed and calm. Be sanctified. So we might approach unto you and hear what you have for us to say. May we make those preparations daily. May we make those preparations as we come to worship you on a Sunday uh, in the house of the Lord. Lord, work in our hearts this morning. Uh, Lord, maybe there are some today who need to go up to Bethel. 
And they need to deal with some things so they won't draw nigh unto you. And Lord, we thank you that you always renew. You always refresh us when we come and draw nigh unto you. Lord, bless now as we close. In Jesus' name, amen.